Hi, I'm your host, Kimberly Thomas-Tigg, and you're listening to Signalize, a Dazzle for Rare podcast. Whether you're a patient, advocate, caregiver, or a clinician, Signalize is your source for good news, personal stories, events, and the things that Rare and Associated Communities care about. Follow Signalize and Dazzle for Rare at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, R-A-R-E, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we'll post episode links, updates, and more. Welcome to the final episode of Signalize for 2022. I started this little podcast in October of this year, hoping to continue to signal boost our voices, a goal that I first undertook in 2016, that year while I was stuck in Arizona, (laughs) the desert, uh, with my two-year-old son, I was grieving the loss of my mom and her twin, and I couldn't have imagined that I would take on such a huge project. At that time, at the time that it started, uh, as most things do, it was a good idea in the middle of the night, uh, as many are. And all I knew was that I needed to unite rare disease communities online because in our fragmented communities scattered around the world, we were struggling to have our voices heard. In the many years that have passed since that difficult time in 2016, our small group of Dazzle for Rare co-hosts grew. We started out with Melissa Adams Van Houten, the glitter queen herself, April, I'm Okay Deb, Monica Andrade, Judy, the United Advocate, who's in Australia, Chronically Sass, aka Amy Michelle, Free Durya, and the Demetros family. Hisa Online, their Twitter account was really our launching pad, and I thank them forever for that support that we received very early on. Big things come in small packages, and so that first year, that handful of people, and I hope I'm, I'm not forgetting anyone, we achieved 100,000 Twitter impressions in that very, very first dazzle for our week. That's just a whisper, really, when it comes to social media. But in this tight little group, we found friendships and we found common goals and a shared understanding that if I share, let's say, April's message and she shares mine, we each reach each other's social network. I wouldn't normally reach her family and friends on a daily basis with my messages at that time about Hashimoto's encephalopathy or autoimmune encephalopathies. But during the Dazzle for a week, exchanging those messages, we could help each other. Each year, we have helped each other grow. And so with that small group of people, we've just continued to grow larger every year. It's easy to take for granted how important working as a larger community is when we don't look back at where we've come from over the years. If not for those folks that I just mentioned, we would have never achieved 9.5 million Twitter impressions this past August in 2022. I would never have started this podcast. I might still be sitting somewhere saying to myself, if only there was a way for us to be heard. Sorry about the dramatic there, but it's true. I I would still be wondering um, what could we possibly do to reach more people together with United Messages. A lot of people might have taken a different path than I did. They certainly might have taken one with less resistance. Um, Over the years, people have told me that, oh, you know, our our organization gets enough awareness. We, we, We have ambassadors. We get enough. You know, we don't need to join anyone else. Um, you know, or they say, oh, you know, we don't need to do things like this. We, we're, we're too busy. We, we, you know, we get enough in funding. And I understand some folks are busy. I understand that more than you could know. <laughs> uh, I've been told 
in over the years that I'm doing it wrong, that there are better ways to do it. And sure, there might be better ways to do it, or you might do, do things differently. But in hindsight, I'm glad for, for how we've done things. And if we had more resources, it would be wonderful to be able to continue to do so much more. But the choice that I made at 3 a.m., thereabouts, in 2016 reinforced what I say as a mom, that if you don't ask, you don't get. And I learned very quickly to let go of my fear of people saying no to me and just asking. The great majority of folks that I have talked to over the last six years, going into seven years in 2023, uh, folks have said yes. We don't always get the messaging right with Dazzle for Rare. Uh, There's always ways we could do things better. But we do get networking and showing support for one another just right, in my opinion. I believed for years that the right thing for me to do was to stay in the shadows, doing the organizing, the outreach, creating social media assets, and so on, just doing that from a place of obscurity. I believed that writing credits or acknowledgments were vain, and I didn't feel like that was on brand for me. But then I realized that when I was reaching out to more folks as as time went on, the fact that people didn't know who I was was a barrier for Dazzle Ferrer to grow. And I realized that I had to kind of stop this mindset of hiding and hoping for the best. I had to learn to self-promote because getting to know me means getting to know Dazzle Ferrer and the growing list of co-hosts who have messages that I think that you need to hear. I think everybody needs to hear these messages. So here we are at the end of 2022, far from where we started in the beginning. I'm ready to say goodbye to my old mindset of scarcity and preferring to stay in the shadows. I want to bring our guests, the topics that we speak on together, the lives that we touch. I want to bring all of that into the spotlight in 2023. And I want you to be in the spotlight too, to let go of any fear that you've had in the past about being embarrassed or taking a chance or doing something wacky and letting go of it, letting the world know that the cause that you're working for truly deserves attention. So sit back, relax, get cozy with a cuppa and join me for a chill episode about this festive season, festive films featuring characters that many of us know who have overcome odds to have their best possible Christmas in perhaps a corny joke or two. What did the wise men say after they offered their gifts of gold and frankincense? Wait, there's myrrh! Growing up, one of our family traditions was to put on the 1951 film adaptation of A Christmas Carol starring Alistair Sim. Uh, I think it was called Scrooge. This was the only adaptation that I had ever seen of A Christmas Carol until Bill Murray's 1988 version, Scrooged, <laughs> which classic. Uh, my mom would bring a small portable black and white television into the kitchen and she would sit it on the counter and change the little, like, have like 10 channels on the dial. She'd change the little 10 channel dial to a local affiliate station and watch the film while making chocolate chip cookies. It's a good thing the film was already in black and white because we were watching a black and white TV in the kitchen. Many years have passed since I've seen Scrooge or even given that movie a thought. Um, But recently I was thinking to myself, wait a second, 
did Tiny Tim have a rare condition? Like this, this literally is what I think about. <laughs> so in a 2012 paper titled Environmental Factors in Tiny Tim's Near Fatal Illness, written by Russell Chesney, MD, Dr. Chesney writes, because his, Charles Dickens, depictions are so accurate, he's achieved an almost matchless status as a definer of medical condition. Chesney wrote that Dickens was called a syndrome spotter during his time, which is really amazing. Mr. Dickens' familiarity with working-class London and his keen observations tell the modern reader, like you and I today, a lot about the living conditions and the health conditions for folks between the 1820s and 1840s. The living and health conditions of pre-industrial England were really rough. Many children were malnourished, breathing unsafe air, living in cramped conditions, unable to access basic medicines, much of what we take for granted today. And often these kids were born with vitamin deficiencies. At the time that Charles Dickens was alive, at least 50% of children that would have been like Tiny Tim had tuberculosis. The paper by Dr. Chesney suggests that there are a lot of conditions and a lot of factors that could have easily led to Tim's unknown syndrome. And I think because it isn't specifically stated in the story, and we don't know that I was so curious about this. So what was wrong with Tiny Tim? Taking into account the thorough list of environmental and other factors, Dr. Chesney mentions in his paper, it was a lot more likely that Tiny Tim had rickets and tuberculosis both of which are not rare per se, but certainly in modern industrial societies, these are not common anymore. They do happen, but they're certainly not to the extent they were during the 1820s and 40s. So rickets is a common condition caused by vitamin D and calcium deficiency. It causes soft bones, which can lead to skeletal malformations. Tuberculosis if for some reason you're not familiar, is a bacterial infection passed through coughs, sneezes, or close contact. Thankfully, this infection is far less common today than it was in Dickens' time. And like most infections, it can be reduced by practicing good hygiene, like hand washing, catching our coughs and sneezes in a tissue cloth jumper, and avoiding close contact with TB carriers. It turns out that Tiny Tim's condition wasn't rare. It was sadly common. Less than 100 years ago during World War II, cases of TB were quite high in the U.S. Young, healthy adults were dying. We can thank our lucky stars for better basic hygiene today, for the ability to work remotely when we can, or for jobs that allow for sick time and benefits, if we are so lucky. And of course, access to basic medications. Not everyone in the world is so lucky, because all the things that made children of pre-industrial England sick still make kids sick around the world today. So it helps to never forget that the basics keep us healthier every day and also helps us to protect those who may have lowered immune systems. Having done this weird Christmas research and really sort of Christmas nostalgia while uh, thinking about this, it reinforces for me that A Christmas Carol isn't just a moral tale of showing goodwill to our fellow humans. It is also our ability to live the way that we do today in countries that are rich in resources. And that means that we start with better opportunities in life than characters like Tiny Tim or children of that time period. And we're able to tackle rare conditions that are discovered almost daily in places around the world. We can devote more time, money, and resources to research and development for treatments for folks today and in the future for folks who will face rare conditions. What do you call an elf that runs away from Santa's workshop? 
a rebel without a clause. If you are one of the almost 300 million people worldwide affected by a rare condition, a congenital, genetic, adult onset, or even an acquired rare condition, you might find Christmas to be a tricky time of year. There are more ways than I can even count that our conditions can affect us. However, I do want to share some thoughts that might help make the season brighter, and I think we could probably all benefit from a little bit of extra Christmas cheer this year. The first tip I have is to remember, before rare disease became a part of your life, if there was such a time, what did you do that helped you to find the joy and the magic? As a kid, for me, it was to put on the radio on Christmas Eve and listen to Christmas songs until I fell asleep. I often spent many Christmases in bed sick. Like, no joke. And no matter how sick I felt, hearing the music helped me feel part of the season. Was there a time when you did something small that brought your focus back to a time or a place that you felt joy? Can you close your eyes and live in that moment, if only for a moment, without any sadness, judgment, guilt, or worry? Sometimes the happy moments can feel bittersweet, which I definitely understand. But can you find a moment where you felt as if the magic just hung in the air and the sleigh bells might be chiming in the distance? Sit there for just a moment and allow yourself to feel that magic. Decking the halls is my next tip. And I don't mean it so much in a literal sense. Not all of us have the mobility or ability to hang lights or tinsel. For me, I found this year I didn't get the tree up until the 12th of December because of illness and exhaustion, which is a very real part of many of our lives. Uh, Whether you're the affected person, whether you're the parent, caregiver, or loved one, the partner, or the spouse... It can be difficult to find the energy to get the tree up. For me, I slowly dragged out bits and put them into the living room, and then slowly over the course of a few days, I managed to piece things together. Is my house a Norman Rockwell painting? No. (laughs) Not by any means. Um, But it sure feels warmer to me, and I'm sure my son appreciates the effort that I put in, even if it's not perfect. And I think that's very true for life itself. If we put in just the, the effort that we can, and we do what our energy affords us to do, it can make a huge difference. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be a Norman Rockwell painting, as I just said. I think that whatever we're able to do and whatever the people in our lives can help us to do can make a huge difference and make even the toughest Christmas or the toughest holiday season feel a little bit warmer, to have a happier Hanukkah or to have a happier festive period. So if you struggle with decorating, do consider asking a family member, a friend, or even a neighbor. You know, your neighbors may even be able to help you to put up just the smallest of decorations or a a little tree. I always like to say, even if it's the most scraggly Peanuts gang Christmas tree that you've ever put together, that's enough sometimes to be a visual reminder that a time of warmth, goodwill, and gladness is upon us. Another hack I have for Christmas and for increasing the Christmassy vibes or the holiday vibes or the Hanukkah vibes is to put out uh, or to put on one of those videos like a Yule log video or like a fire, a crackling fireplace on on a screen. So for me, I put YouTube on our TV in our living room and I put it on a channel that plays burning fireplace with the crackling sound on a loop for like eight hours. There's like eight hours, 10 hours, etc. I can also do this on my Amazon Echo, uh, my Amazon Echo show, 
this is definitely not a product placement, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's, it's another tiny screen that I can use in my living room to put that little fireplace on and, and hear the warm crackling of the fireplace. We don't actually have a fireplace in our house. So for me, it's kind of a reminder of my childhood when we did have a fireplace. And if you've never had a fireplace, you might still find it kind of warming. And if you don't have anything with a screen, some smart speakers will still play the ambient crackling fireplace sound. You can also use your computer as your virtual fireplace. Sometimes for me, that's enough. And I usually put it on every Christmas for the family. Even my cats like it. Um, so you don't have to do anything grand or that requires a lot of physical effort or labor or money, but sometimes just these little things can warm your heart and it doesn't have to make sense to anyone but you. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open sleigh. Hey! Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Movies are another big one. So tagging on to that last suggestion, I find that movies can be very uplifting this time of year. I like a good Harry Potter marathon uh, as much as anyone. By the way, if you're in the United States, the Turner Broadcasting Network, Turner Broadcasting System, TBS, usually has some kind of December Harry Potter marathon. So check your local listings. <laughs> if not, um, I watch Elf on Amazon Prime. Again, not a plug for Amazon, but usually they have it on Prime. So I'll watch Elf or Holiday Inn. I love to personally, in the most loving way, threaten my son with putting on Holiday Inn because he's like, oh, it's boring. But it reminds me of my childhood wrapped up in a blanket, mostly sick AF, if we can be honest, um, on the couch, just tied up in a blanket next to our cheap plastic Charlie Brown Christmas tree that we put up every year. And my mom might be knitting on the couch. And I remember those memories of sitting on the couch under the blankets, smelling a pie baking in the oven or the sound of my mother knitting. And to me, that's a very Christmassy feeling. Cuddling up with some Bing Crosby is enough to make any cold day feel warm and fuzzy for me. And I often hope that the experience of me putting on Holiday Inn, whether my son wants to watch it or not, will one day trigger something in his mind. Uh, this year, his school sang um, Feliz Navidad. They sang Silent Night in English and in German, which I was really surprised by. And they also sung White Christmas. And so for weeks, he's been walking around the house singing White Christmas. And we've listened to all the different variations of Bing Crosby and the Holiday Inn version of White Christmas and um, Michael Buble and all these different versions. And like that for me, if that's all we do for Christmas this year, that is enough for me. Hearing him sing White Christmas in his beautiful angelic voice is just, that's the cherry on top for me. So I hope that you can find something like that too. But getting back to films, your film picks need not be traditional by any means. Who says that Star Wars uh, or Die Hard, the first one, aren't Christmas films? In fact, any old film that you like can be a holiday film as far as I'm concerned, and I hope as far as you're concerned. So I'm super happy to watch the original Star Wars films, like, on repeat this time of year. Nothing makes me happier than to watch 
Han Solo rescued from the carbonite block. (laughs) Um, To me, that's like a film pinnacle of joy. I remember when I was a little girl, I had some uh, Cabbage Patch Kids brown earmuffs, and I would put them on and pretend to be Princess Leia, saving Han from the carbonite. To me, (laughs) like I tie those cold winter memories in with Star Wars. And to me, that's perfectly Christmassy. So if you're a Star Wars fan, and that's your Christmas go to films, like have at it. Anything that makes you feel good is is what's important here. And who gets to judge your movie picks? Nobody, at least not in my opinion. Faith is another one. And before you click off of this, just hear me out. I'm not talking about religion necessarily. If you're a person of faith and you've been able to engage in activities of fellowship in your particular faith, that's fantastic. Whether you have had family around for Hanukkah or for other occasions of faith this time of year, these activities usually don't cost anything but your time. Some folks may not be able to make it to Mass this year, either because of infection rates, uh, COVID rates going up, or because of other things going on or mobility. And people can sometimes miss out on that fellowship, even if they're not particularly religious. Often the most important part of faith is to embrace it in the way that you can. And if that includes having your family over or doing a Zoom chat for fellowship, do what works for you. Don't allow things that you used to be able to do to prevent you from what you can do now and what is possible for you in this moment. If you are a person who is not a person of faith, Many folks don't practice a particular faith. In our home, I'm the spiritual person and my spouse is not. We don't judge each other. I enjoy watching biblical films this time of year as well. And when I can, when I can find one on telly, like I'm over the moon. I love them. I could sit and watch um, Ben-Hur or any of those films just until the cows come home. Um, But my husband, on the other hand, would rather put on Chronicles of Riddick, which... Low-key, I don't have a problem with. <laughs> we, we both have probably seen Chronicles of Riddick like 30 times or more. And his family is not a family of spirituality or faith. And yet we can all still enjoy this time together. So we open gifts together. We have a modest meal with the family when we're able to. Um, for many of us, illness and age have prevented us from doing that for the last few years. But any way that we can come together is always cherished and appreciated, and it can be healing to enjoy some common activities or conversations with folks in whatever medium that you're able to, sans the prayers. So if you're not a person of faith, you can still enjoy that time with with people in your life. Gratitude is another big one for me personally. I do like to try to end podcast episodes these days with a shout out or a little bit of uh, gratitude because I think it's something that can keep us going a lot of the time, especially during this time of year. So whether you believe in gratitude, whether you've discovered the joy that gratitude can bring your life, I know it sounds like hippie stuff to some people. And I hear people say that quite often. But I, you know, for me, I can't say enough how good it feels to reflect on what I have that I'm grateful for. And I'm grateful for a warm home, especially this time of year with energy crises in many countries and with the cost of energy going up. I'm just really grateful to have a warm house. I'm grateful that my spouse is healthy and that my son is healthy. 
I'm grateful for my three cats, which if you are ever on a podcast episode with me recording, you will see them walking all over my keyboard. (laughs) I'm grateful that we have food because we didn't always have that when I was growing up. I'm grateful to have this podcast so that I can talk to lovely folks like my friend Sam Fillingham, uh, Lee Reavy, David Rose, David Ross, Daniel DeFabio, and other folks people who shared their time with me because I find that to be a blessing. As silly as it sounds, I really appreciate you guys. I'll say this in a way that it's it's probably been said many times before, but counting your blessings always increases them. Once you find just that one thing that you're grateful to have, you find more. They have a way of multiplying. There is the art of doing nothing. Sometimes the kindest thing that we can do for ourselves and those around us is absolutely nothing. When you're burnt out, permit yourself to just exist. It's hard to start focusing on the things that we could be doing, and I'm very guilty of that, even on some days when we can do very little. If you can rest in the knowledge that today you are enough, you are where you need to be, and you are fulfilling your unique purpose, rest in that, my friend. Rest. Put out of your mind the office. Put out of your mind what is accessible and what is not. Do what is accessible to you. And if that means singing, waving your hands around, fidgeting, talking to a pet or a stuffed animal, calling somebody, laughing at a movie or crying with one, give yourself some time to have nowhere to be and nothing to do. Know that you deserve peace, quiet, and space as much as anyone else does. Giving is a big one. Um, And you can give in many ways. If you're blessed and lucky to have more than you need, consider giving to someone else. You can check on Facebook for local community giving groups where people offer things up for free to those who are in need. Obviously, please do be careful of giving strangers your address or meeting people you don't know. So please do exercise caution. There are also groups like Freegal and FreeCycle where people can post items that they no longer need for those who can use them. When we were struggling early in our marriage, my spouse lost his job, and we relied on Freegal for baby items while I was pregnant. When we got on our feet again, I went back to Freegal and posted items for other families in need. It felt good to keep the cycle going. We've been lucky year over year since then, and I'm always happy to pass anything that I can along to someone in need. And there are lots of community groups and online groups where you can offer items in good condition to folks who are in need. If you have spare items that are not in use, something like coffee cups, coffee mugs, silverware, things like that, Um, your local church, community center, LGBTQ plus center, library, other groups very well may need those for their community meetings. If you have other kitchen supplies that someone else could use, you know, make those available as well. A neighbor might need some dishes to get started in their new home. Sometimes giving what you don't need any longer, but that's in good condition, hopefully, fills the void of not getting new things. Sometimes during the year, we find the presents under the tree may be less, but the things that we can give, if not monetarily, if through the things that we have used and loved and can pass on, or even just giving our time can be enough to fill that space and, and make this a time in which we feel more connected with folks around us. So it's good to give stuff, um, but it's also good to give love and it's good to get love. Hey you, 
check this out. What's the absolute best Christmas present? A broken drum. You can't beat it. Okay. This may very well be the weirdest Christmas fact that you have ever heard, and it's not rare and not a Christmas fact. Um, Hemophilia B, also known as Christmas disease, is the second most common type of hemophilia. The disorder was first reported in the medical literature in 1952 in a patient by the name of Stephen Christmas. The most famous family with hemophilia B was that of Christmas Victoria of England. I did not know that, but now we both do. I have another fact, and this is in regards to a rare condition that affects less than one in one million people. The condition is called Fowler Christmas Chapel Syndrome, and it is a rare urogenital disease characterized by otherwise unexplained chronic urinary retention of more than one liter of sterile urine on catheterization. It occurs in women between the onset of menses and menopause. It can affect children, adults, and adolescents, though. It is a very rare condition, obviously. Um, And this is something I found while researching for this episode. So if you are someone who is affected by this condition, we'd be happy to hear from you. Because if there's anything that we seek to do, it is to share more information about rare disease. If there's one thing that I have learned about rare disease over the last, you know, coming up on since 2013, if there's anything that I've learned, it's that everybody has a very different experience. And so whether you are the affected person, whether you are the parent, caregiver, or spouse of the affected person, and whatever the condition may be, there's a series of of different things that we experience. Well, we have a lot of commonalities. There are also things about conditions that can make our our lives seem more time-limited. But if you think about it, all life is time-limited. So whether you have a rare condition or you don't, each and every one of us face the unknown countdown, really. And I don't want that to put you in a sense of existential fear or existential threat. But one of the most beautiful things about human life is that it is finite, and so if, if we think about this time that we have, this time when everything is cold and we're all indoors, this time of year in which we sometimes get the opportunity to spend time with our loved ones, if we think about having more presence in our own daily lives to really cherish like this moment, I know it's really hard to do because I struggle to do it. I'm always thinking about the next project, the next thing to do, the next person whose story I want to share, the next everything. I'm always looking forward and having such a difficult time living in right now. And as my son gets older this time of year, my son's birthday is just before Christmas. Every year he gets older and every year time passes by and I have to stop and think this is a time to really slow down and cherish because some of us in rare disease communities have very time-limited conditions. I'm very lucky that with my Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, um, there's no real life expectancy issues, you know. And so we may be affected by other knock-on effects of EDS, if you are a person with EDS. um, But it's not quite the same as folks who have really finite time. And that could range from 
a life expectancy of teen to 20 years, or that could be a few years for a child, or it could be a five-year expectancy for someone diagnosed with a late adult onset condition like ALS, where there might be a life expectancy of five years. No matter what happens, we just don't know. And so taking this time to be present and taking this time to forget about what we can't do, to forget about what we don't have, to forget about the noise and the drama and the stuff that goes on in social media and the stuff that goes on in politics and and just look to the person next to us, whether that's somebody on the train, whether that's somebody on the bus, whether that's someone sitting on the couch next to you, or whether it's just you and your cat, you know, which many years it was just me and my cats, who or whatever that may be. Maybe it's looking to your phone to pick it up and call somebody and say, like, I just wanted to have this moment with you right now. I hope that you get that. That's my Christmas wish for everybody is to have a moment of presence in this time. Because this time, you know, ultimately we think everything that's going on right now is the most important it's ever going to be, or it's the most urgent that it's ever going to be. But human history has shown us that these times repeat over and over again with each different life cycle. And so right now, the only time we have is right now. So I'm not trying to give you existential threat. I'm not trying to make this a downer episode. I hope that you've enjoyed my really ridiculous jokes, uh, as I am prone to do. But there's just nothing more important than sharing with you these moments and sharing the moments that I have each day with my family and with the people that I care about. And I hope you get to do that too. So from our family here at Signalize, myself, my, my husband, my son, hopefully also Pete, <laughs> uh, from everybody here, wishing you a beautiful, blessed, festive season, whatever your faith is or whatever your faith is not, wishing you the absolute best. We'll see you in 2023. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Signalize, a Dazzle for Rare podcast. To stay up to date on the podcast and Dazzle Ferrer, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, Rare, R-A-R-E. And finally, if you liked this episode, share it with a friend and tag us on social media platforms.